If you told me 10 years ago, Kate, in 10 years, you'll have written two books, you'll be part of a successful podcast, you'll be speaking around the country. I just said, you are crazy. There would, I could not see any of that. There was no way. And I'm sure some of your listeners feel that same way. I just couldn't see it. That's not who I was. But God said, that is who you are. And if you obey me and do what I'm calling you to do, you'll have a whole nother life, which which is, you know, part of the empty nest thing. We think there's nothing for us after that, but, you know, mom's my only name. Well, it's not your only name. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. Kate Battistelli is living proof that God will use anyone if they're willing to be used. She's the author of the bestseller, The God Dare, and also Growing Great Kids. She's a mom to Grammy award-winning artist Francesca Battistelli and Mimi to her six children. Kate experienced infertility, miscarriage, an abortion at 18, and four failed adoption attempts, which all wreaked havoc on her life. As a young actress in New York City, Kate had a life-changing experience, going from understudy to starring as Anna in the Broadway national tour of The King and I, opposite Yule Brynner for more than a thousand performances. Kate and her husband laid down their careers in the Broadway theater in answer to their first God Dare, moving out of New York City and into the life of homeschooling and home business. She's married to her husband, Mike, and lives in Franklin, Tennessee. Here's my chat with Kate Battistelli. Today, we're going to be talking about stepping out in faith. And when I asked Kate Battistelli about where she has seen God repurpose in her life, she had more examples than she could name. So Kate, let's start out talking about how you ended up on Broadway. Oh boy, this is a big subject. <laughs> and it's it's really interesting the way the Lord just, the way he just kind of takes you up out of obscurity and, and does something crazy. And just so the listeners know, I was not a Christian at the time. I was in my mid-20s living in New York, you know, wanting fame and fortune, wanted to win a Tony, all that stuff. <laughs> Young actress, and, uh, you know, I hadn't done very much at that point, but I went for an audition for the understudy to the leading lady in a big national tour of The King and I, big Broadway tour starring Yul Brynner, who was the original king. And if those of you are young and don't know who he is, if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, he played Pharaoh. He's the ball guy. <laughs> famous for The King and I. That was his, he was in the original movie in the 50s and Broadway show back then and did lots of revivals. So this was one of the revivals. But he was a big star back then. I mean, you you kind of stood in awe of Yul Brynner. So I went out for the understudy. I got cast and, you know, also was in the chorus because I figure as an understudy, you never really think you're going to get the chance to go on, especially in a big part <laughs> like that. I mean, it just doesn't happen. But I knew my part backward and forward because you have to know it. Right. being paid for. So, you know, we went out on the road and about two months into the run of the show, the leading lady catches pneumonia. I mean, I walk in the mm -hmm. theater door that night around 715 because back then, remember, this is the early 80s. 
no cell phones, <laughs> no computers. If you're burnt gone during the day, nobody can get a hold of you. So I didn't know this was coming. I walk in the theater at 7.15 for an 8 o'clock show. The stage manager sees me, runs and grabs me and says, she's sick, you're on. Oh, my goodness. And your life flashes before <laughs> your eyes. This is a three-hour show. I think I was not on stage maybe 25 minutes of the whole show. Oh, wow. So, I mean, my life flashed before my eyes. I thought, okay, I have 45 minutes to get transformed into Mrs. Anna, the leading lady in the show with hoop skirts and hair. I, I, I mean, I just kind of sat there while they did all the stuff to me to make me presentable to do this role. So <laughs> I went out. I just thought, you know, you think in that moment, you learn very quickly that you have, sometimes you have to do it afraid which was something mm. I, I really instilled in my daughter because, you know, being in the in the music world and being on stage and performing, I mean, I told her, look, even if she was scared, I said, you you committed to this. You're afraid because <laughs> I had learned that lesson the hard way. So anyway, I didn't die, which was good. <laughs> I ended up doing the show for about two weeks because the leading lady was out with pneumonia. Well, about a month later, I get a call from one of the producers and he says, Mr. Brenner has has bought out the leading lady's two year contract, sent her back to New York and he wants <laughs> you in the role, <laughs> which let me tell you, if you know, if anybody here knows the theater world, that does not happen. That wow. never happens. They always get, you know, somebody from New York or L.A. a, a ringer, you know, as you would say. So it was just. It was really life-changing, but so odd to have that happen so young. I mean, I like mm. to think today, if that happened with Instagram and Facebook, it would, you know, it would be a big story because it's mm -hmm. so, so odd. But I see a parallel to, because I didn't know the Lord, but that story and, you know, at the end of the, toward the end of the show, they have the big shall we dance scene and she and the king dance around the stage. And it's, it's really a beautiful moment. But it's like he just pulled me out of obscurity to dance with the king. And I'm actually mm. on a, a book about intimacy that that's going to parallel some of that. So just, yeah. you know, and then the best thing about the show, about six months in, my husband joined as the associate conductor. And so I could see him in the orchestra pit and he was really cute. So we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got together, ended up getting married. We actually just celebrated our 40th anniversary. So oh, congratulations. Thank you. And then so we we got married, still didn't know the Lord's Bat. This was after about three years that I was in the show, about a thousand performances. So I had done this all over the place. And um, but then I left in that July. We got married in 1983 and we lived in New York. You know, I still wanted to be famous. That was my goal in life. But about nine months later in March, we had been we had a little side business. And we were working with this gal who was a born again Jewish lady. And she kept inviting us to church over and over. She invited us and invited us. And we kept saying, no, we're good. You know, we don't, we're fine. We don't need all that stuff. Well, she was relentless. And I always tell people, don't stop asking. Keep asking because eventually they'll be embarrassed to say no. Like we were, we just thought, let's get this. <laughs> So we said, okay, we'll go to church. It, well, she said, come this Friday night. We've got a great gospel choir because she knew we loved music. And I thought, okay, at the worst, we'll enjoy the, the music. So we get on the subway to take the F train, about a 45-minute drive to Jamaica, Queens, which is not where you go when you go to New York. It's not like, oh, let's go to Jamaica, Queens. <laughs> or it's nice, but it's typically not where you go. And the theater was a couple blocks away. It was an old theater that this church was in, a big church. I got a thousand people. I didn't know it was an all black church. 
and you know, a holiness church, which is very different from the typical church. Men and women are separated. Women wear skirts, no jewelry. Mm. It's very, it's very different from the typical American church. But that's where she took us. Sat us in the front row. The we she, we we were the three white faces in an all black church. And the pastor, I know she told him ahead of time, you need to get these two. <laughs> so we kind of felt like God was speaking to us. So when he gave the the altar call at the end. Our hands went up. We went to the front, and honestly, we've never looked back. So mm-hmm. that that was, I mean, from the King and I to that, our life has been so weird. Just so many God <laughs> things that you just think, oh, yeah, I don't even know where that came from. And then, so about a year later, so we got saved in eighty four. About a year later, had our daughter in eighty five, and about a year after that, we were still living in New York, young Christians, but still pursuing our careers. And about, you know, after being Christians for a couple of years, we both started just getting this sense in our spirit that this was not the path God had for us. And we both sensed it. And, you know, as young Christians, you don't always know what, what does this mean? So we got right. prayer and confirmation and we, God told us, lay it down. You just need to lay that life down, which makes no sense in the natural because we work exactly. You know, my husband has a doctorate in conducting. So to work your whole life for something and then to lay it down. You just, yeah. Oh, okay, God. And we didn't know where we we're going. It's kind of like Abraham. I, I like to liken it to that, that leave the land that you know, go, uh, you just leave everything you know, your family, your land, everything. Go to a land that I'll show you. I'm not going to tell you, but I'll show you. And you just obey. Abraham did, you know, God counted it to righteous, counted it for righteousness. And I think he, it was a big test for us, <clears throat> but we obeyed. We followed, moved to we were from New Jersey, moved back there, you know, had a home business, started homeschooling back before it was cool. I mean, this back in the <laughs> 80s, no one was homeschooling. No. I was a pioneer. But there were enough of us to, you know, figure it out with no curriculum. So those homeschoolers out there, you know, we didn't have anything, I think, but a Becca back then, maybe a couple of others. So it was an interesting time. So <clears throat> we moved to Florida. That's where we raised our daughter. And the rest is history. <laughs> So that's so backwards from what people now are trying to pursue, if you think about it. And, and I'm sure, I mean, I graduated from high school in the 80s, so I, I know the 80s culture and know that it people were pursuing fame then already, too. But now it seems like if you're asking God to give you something big, people are looking for fame. And you did the opposite thing. So I'd love to know how that ties in then to what you speak on and talk about often, and you call it a God dare. Mm. I would love to know how you define a God dare. Okay. But first, just about laying it down, what I've seen over the years is how I wanted fame and fortune for me. But mm. the way he's taken that, because we laid that down, I see how he's taken it through our daughter. She doesn't want, she she doesn't really even, that's not the part that motivates her. It's the chance to worship, mm-hmm. chance to write songs that mm-hmm. glorify the Lord, the people her life touches. So I see that and it's like God saying, I, I couldn't use you. I can use you in a different way, but I can because she makes my name famous and then he makes her famous, which that's a whole yeah. thing. You just look at and go, oh. I, I sometimes look at my life and go, where did any of this come <laughs> from? Like you couldn't write this script. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but it I love it when God does that. I know. <laughs> but I'll tell you how that all started. Um, I, after she left home, I was in that empty nest place thinking, because we only had one child. So 
I had poured my life into her like moms do. Mm-hmm. Goes off to Nashville, starts doing records and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there going, well, now what? You know, that what am I supposed to do? What's going to fill my life? And we had homeschooled. By that time, there was a nice umbrella organization in Florida. We'd use them for homeschooling. And the gal that ran it called me one night and she said, Kate, we're getting ready to do our big 20th anniversary. Would you and your husband come and, and talk to our parents and tell them what did you do to raise your daughter to not only um, you know, pursue her dream, but also stay true to the Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, she's not falling away. She's still pursuing God. And that's hard to do. A lot of times kids, you know, right. move away and it can it can kind of fall apart. So we said, sure, we would love to come. And as soon as I got off the phone, I looked at my husband and I said, what the heck did we do? <laughs> you just said yes. I just said yes. Oh, sure, we'd love to come. But we sat down and talked about it and we came up with 15 very specific things that we'd done. And we thought, okay, well, we weren't such bad parents. We can go talk about this. <laughs> So we we went a couple of weeks later, gave our talk. It went great. Parents loved it. And we came home. And then the next morning I was praying and and really thanking the Lord and praising him that it went well. The parents liked it. <clears throat> and right as I thanked him for those 15 things, I felt the Lord speak in my spirit. And he said, those are book chapters. And I just, mm. I wasn't a writer. I knew how to write. I'd always loved writing. I journaled, but I was not a writer. I wasn't an author. Let's put it that way. <laughs> He's telling me to write a book and I'm looking at God going, I, I didn't graduate from college. I went to four colleges in two years and didn't graduate from any of them. I like to tell people, but I got on the Dean's list because I wanted to pursue theater. That was my heart. I didn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't really care about, you know, about college, which I don't suggest, but for me, that's how it was. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, I can't do it. I'm not a parenting expert. I have no platform. I'll never get it published. It was like, it was so crazy that, but he kept, I just kept feeling it in my spirit. So I thought, all right, well, what do you do with this? I had no clue where to begin. And so I found out a friend of mine was a writing coach. I didn't know that was a thing, but I thought, well, it has the word writing in it. I'll call her and talk to her. So I said, <laughs> you know, can you, can we meet for lunch? I've got to show you this idea. I met her, showed her the 15 things and said, and said, tell me this is not a book. She looked at it and said, yes, it's a book. I'll get you started. You're going to write it and we'll get it published. And you just, it's like, okay, now I have no excuse. <laughs> so I had to do it. But I had the outline with the, you know, I knew what the chapters were going to be. So I did. She got me started. I got it written. I had no agent, nothing at that time. There was still no real, inter- well, not much with the internet. It was 20 12 when it came out <clears throat> and it got it published by creation house. We, we knew some of the people in, in that world and they liked what they saw. So it was published. And, and after that, I was thinking, you know, Lord, you dared me to write that book. I know <laughs> you did because, you know, he was testing me, which he will do. <clears throat> and I thought, oh, I got to start looking at the Bible stories differently. I need to start going through and looking at these Bible heroes and see how God did that for them. And I saw it all over the place, like what I just said with Abraham, with so many mm-hmm. of them, with Esther, you know, dared her. To- yes. She was willing to die. And I saw it all through scripture and I thought, all right, I'm not the only one. This this happens all over the place. So I define a God there as just that crazy thing God drops in your spirit that you think, I I mean, that's awesome, the Lord, but I'm I'm not qualified. I'm not equipped. I'm 
too scared. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. It's usually something he's asking you to do that's scary, that's outside your ability, which honestly is a good thing because then we're we're relying on him. I like to say the impossible is God's comfort zone. That's where he he can do the impossible. I can't. I mean, I can't begin to do that. But when he calls you, he equips you. So that's what I, so I, so I wrote a blog post called the God dare. And one of the gals at this publishing company read it and said, Kate, you need to turn this into a book. <laughs> All I could think of was here we go again. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew she was right. I had all the chapters again because I'd written this blog post with a lot of these Bible heroes. So I got that written. It took a little longer to get out, came out in 2019 because I just, I went through some really bad anxiety. Just a lot of stuff was going on in my life that I, I just couldn't get past to finish it. But I finally did, mm. came out in 2019 and people seem to respond to it, you know, because it kind of gives, gives them that little kick they need to listen, just step out. If it's not the Lord, you're going to know pretty quick, but don't be afraid because he has so much more for us than we think. Mm-hmm. That's what I always tell people. I said, you know, if you told me 10 years ago, Kate, in 10 years, you'll have written two books. You'll be part of a successful podcast. You'll be speaking around the country. I just said, you are crazy. There would <laughs> not see any of that. There was no, no. Way. I'm sure some of your listeners feel that same way. I just couldn't see it. That's not who I was. But God said, that is who you are. And if you obey me and do what I'm calling you to do, you'll have a whole nother life, which which is, you know, part of the empty nest thing. We think there's nothing for us after that, but you know, mom's my only name. Well, it's not your only name. Right. God always has so much more, but we have to trust that he does. You know, mm-hmm. I had no idea, but now it's it's very fulfilling. Our daughter's given us six kids, which is amazing. <laughs> I wanted a huge family, but you know, God had a different idea. So yeah, well, I get so life has been for the most part. I mean, we all have ups and downs and tough things that happen, mm-hmm. but just to see what he's done, just because I said yes to one thing, you know, yes, it works. I like how you shared that you've had some ups and downs along the way because a lot of people have the perception that when you decide to write a book and you know God's called you to do it, that it's just going to be all sunshine and rainbows and just like an easy path. And you said that you had to work through anxiety for that book to come out in God's timing. So what would you say to the listener who's here at the table with us who says, well, God's given me this thing, but anxiety or something like it is standing in the way? Well, real anxiety, I mean, I get that. That That's going to take prayer and, you know, a lot of things to get through. But if you're just sitting there going, I think I'm supposed to write this. I don't know. Just start writing. That would be my, Mm -hmm. just start doing whatever that thing is that you get that sense. You're supposed to be doing it, but you're not doing it. Just start. Mm -hmm. You know, we all start with a blank page. That's intimidating. I'm working on a third book and you just, we all start with that. We all start with thinking this is terrible. No one will read it. It stinks. I'm a bad (laughs) writer. I've gone through all of that. I mean, just ask my husband. I'm constantly saying, no, there's, you know, I have no right to write. And God says, yes, you do. Just shut up and write. <laughs> so, you know, but, but anxiety is a tough one. And mm-hmm. that was part of why I couldn't get this book done. But also God dared me to put st- some of my life story in there that I did not want to put in there. Mm-hmm. You know, the ugly yeah. life that I, I had to... I had to take his dare and do it because I I was very afraid. And I'll tell listeners what it was. I got pregnant in 18. And this is back in the 70s. You know, abortion was not 
it was it became legal, but it was not something you celebrated. Like they celebrate, mm-hmm. they, they hold their mm-hmm. you know their signs at the protests and they shout, they just shout it out like it's a good thing. But I got pregnant at eighteen. I didn't know what to do. You know, I went to Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood. I knew I couldn't tell my family, so I went to Planned Parenthood to say, "Well, what do I do?" And the lady said, "Well, do you want to have a baby or not?" Which is interesting. She acknowledged it was a baby, and I said. No, she said, I lived in New Jersey at the time. She said, well, go to New York. Here's where you go. So I went to New York, had an abortion, basically put it out of my mind. You know, I wasn't, I told no one. I mean, the boyfriend at the time, he knew, but I told no one in my life till I got married. I told my husband, mm-hmm. I didn't tell my daughter till a few years ago. And so it was just, it was, for me, it was so guilt-ridden and shame-filled, which from that generation, Typically it is. Mm-hmm. But I think even yeah. all generations, if you really examine it, it, if it's not if it's not causing guilt and shame now, it will eventually. Mm-hmm. I think. But um, but I knew I got saved at 29 and I knew the Lord forgave me, but I couldn't forgive myself. And I was just terrified to to tell anyone. I thought, what are they gonna think of me? But I was on a podcast and the gal on the podcast just she talked about her abortions and just so not not um flippantly, but just she was easy she was she could do it easily. And I mm-hmm. gosh, you can do that. You know, I I never imagined that I could, but the Lord was saying, You need to put that in the book. And it was pretty clear it wasn't gonna come out till I did. So <clears throat> it's chapter four, and I uh, I always tell people if you still like me after you read chapter four, then <laughs> then we're good. But I each all of my story is in the book and I, the God Dare, and I always associate it with a Bible, some Bible character. And and this chapter, I thought, well, who do I associate it with? Well, I picked the woman who's accused of adultery, and they're going to mm-hmm. stone her, and Jesus, you know, doesn't let them. And even though I've never committed adultery, it was sexual sin. You know, so mm-hmm. I compared it to her and it's it's a pretty moving chapter, but you know, and that's probably the chapter I get the most comments from women on that that it's been helpful for them because it reminds us that Jesus doesn't remember our sins. You know, yes. they're they're in the sea of forgetfulness. He's not sitting there going, Well, you had an abortion, so I can't use you. But so often we use that that God, you can't use me. I messed up too much. I did something you can't forgive, which is a lie. That's what the enemy wants to tell us. But once you, once you're able to release that thing, that guilt and shame, I can talk about it easily now. I'll, it's not something I'm ever proud of. It's the if there's one thing I could change in my life, it would be that. But I can't, you know. But there's a lot of women. It's one out of three or four. So I know some of your listeners have had an abortion mm-hmm. that are maybe struggling with it but if you if you know Jesus if you've repented don't give it another thought in terms of yes. him using it against you he never will you know and let that let that guilt and shame come off just pass that thing out you know yeah thank you for sharing that because there are times where we look back at our past and we think god can't use us. He's nudging us in a direction and we think we can't go there because of something we're trying to cover up. And I love that more and more writers are being vulnerable and sharing stories that demonstrate God's grace, that demonstrate love and remove that shame. And that's where I see other people's lives changing because you're sharing those stories. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. I mean, nobody's perfect. You know, right. Look like, oh, right. You know, they've done all these things. It's like, 
we're all sinners saved by grace, you know? Yes. Uh, Yeah. For me, my story is one of being a Pharisee in my 20s and how um, God has really uprooted that judgy kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, just the way I treated people. And so we all have something that could have held, it did hold me back for quite a few years. And I had to get vulnerable about being a Pharisee. And, and, um, you know, when you look in people's eyes, when you're speaking, you've probably experienced that where you see the people who have experienced something similar and you can see the healing begin to take place. For me, the biggest God dare was actually leaving my career. So if I look back at your story, it started when you left, well, maybe even before that, but when you left Broadway, that's a huge thing. Um, I had built up quite a dream of what my career was going to be. And then suddenly while I was pregnant, God told me, you're going to leave this career and you're going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably the response that some of our listeners have when God gives them a God dare is, God, you're crazy. So how do, how do you get past that then when you're struggling with that and you're thinking he, you must've heard him wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We all think that, I mean, you just got to pray, you know, Mm -hmm. let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you because he will, if he's guiding you, then don't be afraid to take the steps, you know, if it is leave your career or start this new career or right, right. Start that business you've been or let go of that business. It the, the, the main thing for me is obedience. We have to obey because if we don't, then he really can't use us. You know, obedience is the key. Praying, you know, praying to the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you have for me? Spending time in the word because we will not hear him if we don't spend time with him. You know, spending time just sitting in his presence, listening to music, just sometimes just letting him speak. If we could just shut up long enough, we can hear him, (laughs) you know, and I put myself in that too. But um, yeah, listen and obey what he's telling you to do. Because if it's not God, I think you're going to know pretty, pretty quickly. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean there won't be obstacles because there will, you know, write that first book. It was, you know, it was just a chore. It was hard to do. And I could have just given up, but I'm so glad I didn't because that led to the God dare, which is leading to the next book. You know, it's, you know, it's one, one after another just keeps coming if that's what God wants. But I've also told him, I am, I, we have to hold things lightly in our hands. Yes. I can't say, I, if I, God wants my house or wants me to sell everything and move or won't, you know, says I'm, I'm, t- you're not supposed to write anymore. You're supposed to go do this. I, I think if we are truly following the Lord, we're not going to care where he puts us as long as we're serving him. So Mm -hmm. holding all those things very lightly, I think is critical for us to be able to, to do his will, you know, to not Mm -hmm. be afraid, to just not be afraid, just follow him. I think when we say I'll never, it almost dares God to prove (laughs) that I will. Right. Because I've said I'll never move here, and I yeah. live there. I'll, I'll never leave this community. I did. You know? I call them 90-degree turns. You know, you're going <laughs> yeah. one direction, and you think it's great, and God says, nope, turn left. <laughs> Go this way. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, God, you know, I guess I guess we're turning left. And he'll do that. I, I don't know if it's to test us or just that's the path of our life, that we're supposed to go a certain way for a certain time for those lessons. And then he moves us out of that. You know, not always, mm-hmm. but for many of us, that's often the way I think he works. 
Yeah, rather than testing for me, it feels like it was me learning to trust him because I thought I was capable, smart, I could plan my own life. And then when I sensed those strong, like the 90 degree turns, I it didn't make sense to me. And yeah. so it was learning each time to trust him that he had a better plan than I could come up with, which in my arrogance seems so surprising to me. <laughs> I think he just loves to mess with our plans. You know, to say, okay, well, if you'd ask me, I'd have told you that's not not what you're supposed to do because we're capable. You know, we're capable of doing things and God, well, I'm good at this, so I'm going to do that. But he might mm -hmm. be saying, you're good at that and then you don't need me. So I'm going to take you to something you're not necessarily good at because you'll yeah. depend on me. You know, we're, we're, yep. we can do anything in our own strength, but that's our own strength. What excuses have you experienced or seen others have when they've sensed God has put a dream on their heart? And like, what excuses do they give for not pursuing it? I think laziness is a big one or, or comfort. We have so much mm -hmm. America, you know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in so many things. And like you said, in pursuing it in your own strength, I think that's a big one. Mm -hmm. I think I hear a lot of, I'm just too old. I was in my fifties when I started. I'm in my sixties now of anybody that's too old. It's me. But I'm not. The Lord, <laughs> he's not letting me go. You know, he's saying, you, you just keep going until he stops me. So I'm too old is a big one. I'm too young. But, you know, mm -hmm. the Bible, there's lots of young heroes mm -hmm. in there. And then I've messed up too much or God doesn't even know who I am. He doesn't know I exist. He's, you know, he's working over there. He's not working with me, which is a lie from the pit of hell. You know, all of these mm -hmm. lies. If God speak, if only if he's speaking, do you want to move? If he's not speaking, stay where you are, because you know God is all about seasons. He's all about timing. His timing is perfect. And there are times we have to wait. I'm in a waiting season right now that's driving me crazy. And I daily, I have to go, okay, Lord, I'm anxious for nothing. Your joy is my strength. But I have to, to remind myself, because if I just go with what I want, it's, it's never going to work. But it's learning to trust when nothing's happening. That, that's a hard place. Yeah. What are some of the questions you ask him when you're when you're seeking him, when you're wondering, is this a dream he's put on my heart? Or if this is a waiting season, I'd love to just know some of the questions you ask God. Yeah. I, I think I'm learning to not ask as much to just trust when there's something that mm. I, I know there's a decision that needs to be made. Like, you know, just, just different things. You know how publishing is. Are they going to pick up my book? And then you just have to wait and wait to publishing, you know, wait and wait and wait. So you're just sitting there and I'm going, okay, God, what do I do? Do I keep working on this while I'm waiting? Do I work on something different? It's, it's, it's hard to really question God just because if we're waiting, there's a reason he's got us. He's got us there. It's like, you know, he took Jesus into the desert. He's going to take us there. And I think that's a great test that the Lord uses. How willing are we? How, how willing are we to sit with Him to keep pursuing Him even when it's not turning out like we like? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there have been many things in my life that did not turn out how I wanted them, but I've continued to pursue Him because He's worth it. No matter what, God is worth it. He's worth the wait. You know, and it's. I think it's really just a way to mature us. Because there are a lot of immature Christians out there who just want to do it on their own. They're they have, they're impatient. Today, you know, everything's bite sized. These little bits of yeah. constantly on social media, which I I suggest not spending much time on that. But we're just you know everything. We are in such a hurry 
and we just need to, that's the hardest thing I think for, for many in every generation, but particularly the youngers is just to sit still, to not be doing mm. anything. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's nearly impossible. So well, just, let me just t- check Instagram. It's like, no, put it in the, in another room in the house, go sit with the Lord, just go pray or listen to worship music or whatever. But it, we, we can't be in a hurry because he's not. God gave us a dare 18 years ago when he called my husband into full-time camp ministry. And I remember a question I asked him a few times was, is this a sign? Because I remember shortly after making that decision, knowing our finances were going to change drastically going into ministry and our car broke down and it was an expensive repair. And I asked God, is this a sign? that we shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, it was clearly like what you're saying, a sign we were supposed to be trusting him. But I asked those questions because I wondered, are you sending these signs for because we should have said no? And so those are the kinds of conversations I have with God often. Yeah, Yeah, I have those too. I'm like, God, you you know, you you say I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children baking bread. I'm going, well, am I righteous? (laughs) There's times you do feel forsaken. It's like, God, Mm -hmm. I'm just not hearing it. Thing, but that's where intimacy is born. You know, that's where when you really start listening and and, and pressing in, even when you don't hear anything, that's the time. That that's where he's mm-hmm. going to grow us. It is never easy. You know, it can last six months. It can last three years. You just don't know. But it's being faithful in that, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. Yes. You know. Yes. He said the road is narrow. There are few who find it. So it's our, I, I like to ask ladies, are you willing to be one of the few? You know, I, I want to be one of the few. I don't know if I am yet, but I want to be. <laughs> Listener who's out there uh, in her book, Kate throws back the curtain and asks this question, what if we say yes? Uh, and listener, that might be a little bit scary for you. And so I want you to think about fear and self-doubt and some of the things that might come to mind. Um, Kate, what are the what's the first step somebody takes after they've prayed about it and they sense God saying yes to this and they're saying yes? What's their next step? Well, I think you need to kind of have a, a, a roadmap of what does it involve? You know, what what do I need to do? What are the things I need to put in place to do this? You know, there's gotta be a one, two, three for everything. How do I how do I get prepared? How do I get ready? You know, with writing, like, well, what do I do next? Do I just start writing? Do I try to do this or that? So kind of coming up with, with a simple roadmap that you're willing to have the Lord change. You know, you've got your map and he's saying, no, it's over here. You're in the wrong spot. But um, I would say just that, just start whatever it is, just start doing it. You know, if it's the time to not start, you're going to miss it. And I'll, I'll tell you one story quickly. Um, if your listeners have ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke, he was a huge evangelist in South Africa. He was like the Billy Graham in Africa. Millions came into the kingdom because of him. So one day, though, he heard the Lord say to him, you were not my first choice. You were my third choice. Mm. And I mean, I, I, all I can ever think of is those other two guys when they're standing before the Lord and he says, look what I had for you. Look what you turned down. I just encourage any listener that's thinking that's, you know, in that space, don't turn it down because if you don't do it, he's going to get somebody else to do it. God will have his way. And I mean, it gives me chills when I talk about Reinhard Bonnke because I think, man, I I wouldn't want the Lord to tell me that, but at the same time, 
it would be good. You know, humility is a really good thing. So just don't be afraid to do it. If you fall on your face, who cares? You know, just get back up and start again because he's somebody's going to do that and he's chosen you to do it. So just don't be afraid. Step out. What stories are you hearing from people now who have read The God Dare and stepped out? Are you are you getting some feedback from people who have really taken that message to heart? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, more than anything, they, they'll say, this is really kind of kicking me in the butt to, to do that thing. I think it's it more often I get that it's motivating me, but sometimes it's, yeah, you know what? I didn't know how to do it, but I've started and God's, you know, God's putting it together. So obedience, he he's going to move when you obey, he'll, he'll step with you. You know, he, if he calls you to do it, he's going to equip you. So don't be afraid to just go keep him always leading in the front and follow. It's going to be step by step. You know, typically it's not going to happen all at once, but you'll, you'll know as you, just like Abraham, just follow me. You know, that's typically what the Lord says. Just follow me. I've already got it figured out. You just step by step. Don't try to get ahead of yourself. You talked about Abraham and for him to follow God, he did have to leave something behind. He had to leave behind his old old country people that he knew. What has God asked you to leave behind as you've pursued him full on like this? Um, uh, pride. Uh, leave that behind, which is a, a good one. I'm not very successful, but I'm trying all the time. <laughs> Um, just opinions of others. You know, I've got some family mm-hmm. members that don't talk to me. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I, I have to, you know, Jesus said, your family's going to hate you. Well, not all of them, but so <laughs> leaving that behind and saying, I'm I'm going to pursue you, Lord. I don't care what other people think. You know, I, I really don't. I, there's a great book or title years ago that said, what you think of me is none of my business. And I love that because it's like, you know, I, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. It it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. We have to follow him. It's a very narrow road. <clears throat> so those are probably the, the biggest. I mean, you know, I'm he's not I'm, I'm not hearing a lot of that right now because I think I am doing what he's calling me to do. Mm-hmm. But if that stops, you know, I want to be able to hear him say, you know, put the brakes on. I've You're going a different way. I had to change how I use my time in order to pursue mm-hmm. The writing that I do, that meant some of my hobbies changed, yeah. you know, because um, if, if you're going to pursue, there's no room for everything. <laughs> so um, I family is very important to me. So I didn't want to have that be something that fell at the bottom of the list. But quilting, I just released for, it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could let that go. So um, as as you think about where God's calling you next, what what do you have that scares you when you think about it? Because we're talking about this, you know, God's yeah. daring us. I think the the biggest thing I'm scared of, and you know, as a writer, you know, it's just is this next thing going to be good? <laughs> it really yeah. the Lord. Am I going to be able to figure it all out? Will I be able to hear? You know, am I willing to give up? Because that was good. I wasn't thinking about that. The things you have to give up. I've had to give up some hobbies. I used to love to knit different things. It's like, I don't have time for any of that. Another big one to give up is, are you willing to give up social media? At least mm-hmm. cut it way back. You know, if you're spent, I hate getting that little notification on my phone. You spent 30% more on, you know, online <laughs> than you did yes last week. I'm like, oh, forgive me, Lord. But I mean, sometimes we need to be on our phones, but we all waste <laughs> so much time. If we put that time into prayer, or reading the word, how our lives, how the world would change. 
I was thinking about that today because when you're in any kind of space where like even just podcasting, this is not an income producing venture for me. I just am passionate about podcasting. So whether it's something that produces income, like writing um, a little income (laughs) (laughs) or something that's, uh, you know, speaking a message, it all requires some way of getting the word out. And there's this fine line between I don't want to be famous, but I have to somehow get the word out or I'm doing this for, I mean, you've maybe heard people say if I do this for an audience of one and if it's just me and God, well, that's all nice in, you know, theory, but we still have to get the word out. So I don't know if you felt that tension too. Oh yeah. Building your platform. You know, you have a certain number. They won't look at you unless you have a certain number of subscribers or Instagram followers. I'm always trying to build my Instagram because I know that's important, but I'm just like, I hate having to think of ways just to get followers. And more and more the Lord's just like, just let me handle it. You know, just telling you to do, I'll build it as I build it. But yeah, that that's the weird dichotomy between knowing you're supposed to do it and really just want to do it in obscurity mm-hmm. without all that, but having to constantly promote yourself. I hate that. Yeah, I me too. Having to promote myself. <laughs> like I won't even say I'm a writer unless my husband says it or, you know, I'd, <laughs> I'm talking about that. He's like Mr. Salesman. I think that's important for the listener out there to know that first off, if God gives you a dream, it's not going to just be handed to you. There's going to be hard work, whatever it is. But then on the other side of it, we maybe don't want to work so hard that we're trying to outrun God and not leave some space for him yeah. to do that miraculous work he does when we're not trying so hard. Yeah. So it's, I, I love that you're landing in the middle in that space there. How would you encourage then somebody who is wondering, like, this seems so hard, but I sense God calling me to do it. Yeah. We've talked about the next step. How do you get past that final hurdle then of just doing it. Yeah. I mean, it will be hard and there is a price to pay. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you had to give up some, you know, some of the hobbies that you like. Sometimes you have to give up some friends, you know, Mm -hmm. some of those naysayers in your life that are, well, you're not going to, you're not good enough. You're not equipped. And there are plenty of them that will tell us that. So sometimes it's just getting rid of that, getting rid of the distractions. I mean, like imagine like an Olympic swimmer, they have to practice all the time to get good enough to be in the race. Mm -hmm. So we have to get out there and just start doing whatever it is. And if you know you need some training or, you know, whatever you want to do something, want to do anything, start a business and whatever, there's a zillion YouTube videos, you know, there's (laughs) plenty of teaching you can get to help you with that. But really just start moving, just take that, you know what the first step is. Just do the first mm-hmm. one and the next one will come. The The doors will start to open. So really just don't be afraid to jump in, you know? Bungee jump with God, I call it. Yes. <laughs> Is that the title for your next book? Bungee jumping with God? <laughs> That's a good follow-up to the God Dare. Truly it is. Speaking of the God Dare, your daughter, Francesca Battistelli, wrote the foreword, a really sweet foreword there. And... um. Uh, you, I wondered, has she taken this dare? Of her <laughs> life. She... Yeah. I mean, I just look at her life. It's, she really has just in, in, I don't know, just everything. And then having six kids and homeschooling yeah. them on a, you know, they have a little farm with chickens and garden. And I mean, it's, I would not have seen that for her, but to see how she's just plunged in and all the things that she does are just one huge dare to me. She's so, she's just, 
so prolific in so many ways, but at the same time, loves being home, loves being a mom, loves doing all those things. You know, more of that now with six kids from 12 down mm-hmm. to one and a half. So uh, still doing some writing and touring and stuff, but, and, and life changes over time. But yeah, she's, she's never been afraid to take the next step. I love that she introduces the dare in your book, just because that's that's a beautiful collaboration between you. Speaking of your book, where can people find it? Where can they connect with you? Well, all the, you know, Amazon, typically all the places that you normally get books. Um, they can connect with me on Facebook, Amazon, uh, not Amazon, Instagram, just feels like Amazon. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Twitter, you know, all those places. Um, and, and I'm always just Kate Battistelli. So Anywhere they go, that's where they'll find me. And that would be wonderful. KateBattistelli.com. I will link to that in the show notes. And you told me before we started recording that you do have a freebie people can get there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you can get the Franny's introduction and the first three chapters of the book if you text God Dare, G-O-D-D-A-R-E, like one word, to 44144. So it just give you a you know, get you get a sample of the book before you decide you want to buy it, which I hope you will. But you may yes. go, this isn't for me. <laughs> I'm going to be listening to the audio version because that's I go out for a walk. So you'll be in my headphones. I wonder. I love getting the audible versions of things. Kate, as we wrap up today, what word would you like to leave with the listener? Well, when the Lord moves on you, when when you really sense that it's him. Give in. Give in and go, because because if he's calling you to it, even if it's scary, it's going to be so much better than what you have. Obedience is the key to everything. And I think if you're willing to step out and just do that thing, he'll honor that. You know, he'll honor it. So just don't be afraid, because that's the biggest hurdle people have. Don't be afraid. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your heart with us today. I've so appreciated your time, Kate. I'm so glad you have me, Michelle. Thank you. Friends, I want to ask you what your big dream is. What is God daring you to do? I hope that this discussion with Kate got the wheels rolling a little bit. Maybe you're thinking about what is that thing you keep pushing aside and God keeps bringing up and nudging you to do? Maybe there's something that's not as big as a you know a drastic change, like I talked about leaving a career. Um, Kate talked about leaving... Um, leaving Broadway. And then she talked about making uh, the decision to write a book. Maybe yours is very different from that. That's cool because God calls us all to different things. So I'm wondering what is he daring you to do? I'm going to be creating a worksheet to go along with this episode. It goes out to my email list. And then after that goes on Patreon for Patreon subscribers. It's going to be a worksheet to help you think through dreaming just a little bit and asking, God, what what dream do you have for me? So if you're looking for that brainstorming sheet, that's going to be available. You're going to find the links that I talked about, Kate's website, her book, all of that in the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 166. So I will have that there. You can find out more about that worksheet as well. So I'm just challenging you today as we leave to think about what is God daring you to do? Thank you so much for listening today. I will see you next week with another episode. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com. 